This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you a few days after Brentford got a win. At, oh, sorry, no, I got it wrong, actually. We drew, didn't we? I oh, it felt like a win. Uh, the whole weekend, I'll be sitting there beaming, smiling on my face, talking to all my Arsenal chums who have been moaning away all weekend because they thought that Brentford beat them at the weekend. Because as far as they're concerned, we got a win and they got a loss. And it was all down to three letters, VAR, apparently. Nothing to do with the way that we played as a team and actually scored all, and created all sorts of opportunities. But we will talk about that a little bit later. My name is Billy Grant. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my chums. Laney, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm really good. Yeah, we had a really good Saturday. Uh, plenty to talk about. Um, or we would have probably moved on and talked about the, uh, you know, just the game and the unbeaten run going on. But the whole footballing world seems to be a set obsessed, as you say, by VAR and that in that decision. So, you know, we ought to put our tuppence worth into that as well. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, lady, because obviously that's a, a big part of the game on Saturday. Um, mm. You know, something which affected us during the game. But <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but yes, I should be laughing, actually. It affected the Arsenal fans even more after the game and for the whole weekend. And it looks like it's going to ruin their week and it could even ruin their season, the way things are going at the moment now. But as they say, swings and roundabouts. So have we got the Allard in the house. How are you doing, the Allard? I'm very good, yeah. Um, it was a cracking day Saturday, wasn't it? It was like, it was the the, the proof that um, going one nil down and then getting the the equaliser to make it one all is um, it's not as good as a win, but it's better than drawing nil nil. Do you know what I mean? It's that you get that buzz, don't you, off the off the equalising goal? And um, yeah, big proof for that on Saturday. Um, it was yeah, just I, I just thought we were brilliant on Saturday. Take away everything else, go and look at the xG. We were brilliant on Saturday. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we we were indeed, and we talk again. We'll talk about that later. The XG chart, which wasn't actually updated on InfoGoal till about a couple of hours ago. Yeah. I mean, the Arsenal fans again. I mean, clutching at straws for everything. They were 
desperately going to be. I mean, this is, you know, we did it in the post-match podcast. Even the guy that I spoke to, the Arsenal fan in there, he was actually, he was schooling me on the XG. He goes, but, but, but our goal isn't on here. You know, it's, it's, you know, this can't be right. You know, we are, we are better than that. Honest, you know. And I was just and, like, and to be fair, he was right. Their goal wasn't on there. <laughs> it wasn't. But that's, that's not the point though. Yeah, <laughs> just, you've got to. You've it was got quite to... funny listening to that podcast. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, but they've, it's only gone up to half time still. I don't know why, but it had. <laughs> it is. But like I said, and this is this whole thing. You know what you're talking about. You know about the goal that was scored. Um, you know we scored we scored the equaliser and it makes it feel better. I mean for me, you know I've been smiling all weekend and like I said to you, I feel like you know we actually won. I mean I even sort of said the other day, you know I said you know that, you know and I've had a few people, you know a few Arsenal fans said to me, you know you you, you won. I mean me and Laney did uh, AFTV, which you may have seen or may or may not. So just go to AFTV, you see we uh, we did AFTV after the match. I mean I did it before the match as well, but we braved it and did it after the match as well which was quite interesting and Robbie told us to come down he said you know and and he'll get us on so we had to go there and we had to stand around while one Arsenal fan ranted on for about 20 minutes saying the same thing again and again for about 20 minutes and as we stood there you know an Arsenal fan started chatting to me and he started saying yeah man you know you guys did all right man you got the three points you know you must be really happy and I was thinking in his head he's thinking we've won so you know that is kind of like this is where we've sort of kind of come from and I suppose looking at that game and how we you know um and we'll talk about later how we got the chances in the first half how we equalized and to to me like I said to you there's there's different feelings in these different matches and you know this Arsenal game do you think the feeling that we have about it now where we're jumping is it due to the fact because Arsenal are top of the league? Is it because of the way that we played? Is it the fact that because we came from behind and we got a VAR decision, so, you know, it means that we kind of got away with something? Why do you think it's that we feel so, you, you know, euphoric about it and, and it actually really, really feels like a solid victory? I just think it was the, the performance and, and the day that we've, we've been robbed of the last couple of visits there. You know, we... we we we, t- we spoke last week about you know what we expected and what we hoped for um, from the visit to uh, to the Emirates and it was like we put in a performance and not only did we put a f- performance in we we actually came away thinking that we were unlucky you know at that time screw the VAR controversy forget all that you know we we did enough in the first half to be at least one goal up um, and you know. Of course, you're gonna you're gonna come under the cosh there. You know, Arsenal are an exceptional team, but we we snubbed them out. We 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 really really did limit them to very few chances, like pop shots from you know outside the area, tiny little half chances. You know, there was some brilliant defending. The 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 clips of you know Pinnock getting his you know literally put his body on the line you know it, it, it was it was a, a great great performance you know and okay we, we didn't win but we proved that again not only did we keep the unbeaten run going but we went toe to toe and we went to the backyard of probably the team that's going to win the title this year and we we gave them more than a match you know so i i was just really really proud really really happy um so yeah i mean it does it does feel like a victory but i think i think we deserved 
the real the whole three points you know and, and i and i'm i'm just you know we, 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 we'll speak about var in a minute but there's so much more to our performance than uh, uh a dodgy var that we got we got there you know we got the sort of like you know the rub of the green on you know i think that's that's a massive disrespect but you know we we are used to being massively disrespected and you know it's just another example of that yeah the, i mean the lr i mean i mean your day just I mean, tell us about your day because the thing about it is that if your day starts off well and then in the middle it goes well and then it ends off well, it ends up, and this sounds like, you know, what's he talking about, Bill? But it just, it ends up just being a brilliant day. So, I mean, you know, obviously beforehand you had a few drinks, you know, afterwards you must have had a few drinks. I mean, your day, was it was it one of the sort of more complete away days of the season for you? And, and this is the thing, is that I'd convinced myself Arsenal away wasn't a good day out. Um, but now it's become really clear that that was just because we haven't, I mean, you know, we haven't turned up. Is that the right? Is that the right phrase? I don't really like using that. But for the last couple of times, you know, the, the, the two times we played there, twice, isn't it? Um, we haven't really performed, right? But I did more or less the same thing. Went to the brewery, had a few beers, went to the game. But this time, because we were so good, it just made the day out like perfect. And now I'm thinking, oh, Arsenal's one of the best away days. You know, there's loads of good places to go for a beer. Um, it's yeah. And, and and I guess it's the performance that makes that. I mean, and, and, and I hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I couldn't go quite as far as say it's one of the best away days. Um, it, like I, I said, I'm you, just saying that's what it feels like today. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. I hear what you're saying. Me, me, me and Laney, we, um, I, I know I, t- I didn't get, I didn't catch up with you guys before the game because I went to go and see the Che, <laughs> the Che, the Che is the local Arsenal fans call it the Che Guevara pub beforehand because it's very close to the ground. It literally is spitting distance to the ground. I mean, having a pub so close to the ground, it's actually there, it's their equivalent of the Griffin, actually, which is all good. You've got everyone standing outside, you've got people inside, he's got minimal furniture. He only takes cash. I wonder why that is then, <laughs> <laughs> as well. And he's a right character like you know with his beret and his like you know his uh you know all all this kind of cuban music and the cuban photographs all around the all around the place so yeah that was good to go to before the match as well then afterwards like i said to you i managed to dispatch my daughter bella off home with her mate she's old enough to do that now which enabled me to go off uh, drinking with the laney so we, we made it down to the brewery i think we missed you probably we probably missed you about, about two minutes actually down at the old brewery so we, we sort of hit the southern side of Highbury afterwards and ended up having a bit of a Thai meal, Irish pub, you know, um, Irish music thingy, didn't we, Laney? Yeah, it was good. Yes, I, I had a, a cracking day. Yeah, the Hammerson Brewery. Um, I'm, I'm addicted to the city of cake. I, I, I wish I had a pint of it now because it, it set my day up. And uh, um, yeah, and, and I spoke, um, sat next to Adam um, and his little crew. Um, Adam Checkley, uh, he bought me a pint at halftime. I, I, I rarely have a drink during the game. And um, he, he went, Laney, do you, can I get you a beer? And I went, yeah, I don't mind if I do. And uh, yeah, he bought me a Camden uh, Hills at halftime. Um, I thought, I, yeah, it was it was lovely to share the day with him and his family. And uh, um, me and Bill kept high-fiving and, and punching each other every five minutes going like, We've got a little routine now where we don't mention the time. We just push each other and we both know what each other means. And we kind of share each other's nerves without saying anything. So, yeah, we were we were counting down the clock 
or after we scored because you know there was eight minutes of injury time played and it just seemed to go on and on and on and I know that you know Ivan Tony spent most of that sitting down um but uh yeah it was it, it was quite nervy because at that stage you know you, you're, you're desperate to not not see them go up the other end and hear another massive roar but yeah the day was great and the tie the tie food was wicked wasn't it Thai food. I'll tell you something. The Hemingford Arms, which I used to live, I used to live just down the road from there. I used to live in Stoke Newington for years and years and years and years. I used to make my way to Brentford from Stoke Newington, which was wasn't the easiest of trips, it has to be said. But I used to go drive past the Hemingford all the time, and I always wanted to go in there. And, and for the amount of years I lived down that way, I never actually went to that boozer. So for me, it was actually kind of like putting the stamp down, putting the flag down, going inside the pub with loads of leaves on the outside, and it is a right little cavernous little place with all sorts of characters characters inside there and as you probably heard on our post-match podcast pride of west dot london you could definitely 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 catch that one it's definitely worth checking out after the arsenal game we caught a few arsenal fans in there after the match as well to be fair who gave their hat and tipped their hat to us in a, in a rather large way but yeah that was a really really good evening so anyway but we'll listen we're going to talk about the arsenal match in a minute we just want to just mention a couple of things as well sergi canos scored his uh, first goal for olympiakos i think it was last night was it last night or the night before yeah, it was last night yeah, it was last night. They won by lows, 6-1 or something ridiculous. The Nottingham Forest owner who so owns Olympiacos, so he owns Sergi Canos. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he he made a dedication to his mum as well. So there was a double dedication going on over the weekend. Obviously, one from Ivan Tony after he scored and the one from Sergi Canos as well. So uh, Sergi must be feeling rather cool because, as you know, the, the Greek fans are quite potty for it over there. So uh, he, he would be a bit of a favourite over there very, very early on. It's been a really emotional few weeks for Sergi, and he's obviously, uh, you know, said goodbye to Brentford. Um, we, we, you know, he, he issued that statement. I know he's only there on loan, but it certainly seems he's only there for this loan for the season. It certainly, yeah, he certainly seems like he's, he's, he's you know, in his mind at least he's not going to come back. And then to lose his mum, I was really surprised that he he, he played. Um, and he, you know, he, he got he got his goal, and he and he, he, he had his t-shirt on. Says, "I love you, Mama," which um, he got booked for. Which I thought was um, typical, Sergi. He, he, he's always got a booking in him, but to get booked for you know paying your regards to your own mum, I thought you know it's a bit petty. But those is the rules, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then also another bit of news as well, uh, and this is quite interesting as well. Uh, you know, a bit of sad news for an ex-Brentford player, Alfie Mawson. Alfie Mawson, who uh, came out of our youth academy and uh, he, he ended up, you know, going on to pastures new and actually accelerated himself faster than the bees did. In effect, he was rejected by Brentford because uh, we didn't think he was good enough or uh, that let's just say the Mark Warburton team didn't think that he was good enough for Brentford. So uh, he ended up going to Wickham Wanderers, then he ended up at Barnsley, then he ended up going to Swansea playing in the Premier League while we were still sort of sauntering around in Division One and then in the Championship as well. And then he went on to the F word as well, which is Fulham. Um, and then uh, and Bournemouth as well, and uh, yeah, and Alfie Wilson. He's 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 done the he's done the he was at for uh, Bournemouth. I can't remember yeah. anyway. But anyway, he's done uh, the rounds. That's right. He did the and he's did the he's done the rounds. And you know, he he uh, we had one of our crew as well. Jimmy met him at a boxing match actually one time, and he actually told him the story 
of uh, of why he left Brentford and how he felt a little bit bitter about the Brentford thing because he just said that he, you know, they, they didn't rate him at all. You know, the Warburton gang didn't rate him. You know, we had Harley Dean and about another five def- uh, centre-backs at the time and they, they didn't think there was any way he was going to get anywhere near the first team. So he had no he had no other way but to go out on loan. And to be quite honest with you, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to him. And I think also that that kind of situation changed a lot of the ways that we did things because we thought, hold on a second, Alfie Mawson was ours and he's gone elsewhere. So eventually B team came and all sorts of stuff started happening and there was a change in the academy but I think that was one of the instigators of why Brentford are as they are now but Alfie Mawson he's had to resign uh, to, to retire um, from an injury and he's very young as well because I, I believe he's probably what, 27 29 years 29 years old you know so uh, so he's retiring so you know let's see what he's going to be do but look good luck to Alfie Mawson because yeah, uh, good yeah good luck to him he wasn't he wasn't with us for he was with our academy for a while he didn't and uh, like I said to you listen you know we, we yeah. wish all players Brentford players um well, except for one or two that's left us uh, well in the future anyway but anyway listen we're a, gonna go, yeah, yeah local go. lad wasn't he um, he was, was Ealing. Does, does his dad didn't his dad run the fruit and veg stall on Ealing Market or something like that? Or Greenford was it? Or something like that? Possibly, yeah. possibly, yeah. possibly. Everyone that knows that, anyone that knows anything about the Mawson, just just write in and let us know. Um, but anyway, uh, listen. Tell you something. We're sitting here. We're all we're all like post Arsenal, having our beers, just like what we we're doing on Saturday afternoon. Like you know, we're just trying to let the experience run on. We're going to go away and top ourselves up. Then we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about three specific letters. V-A-R. So, Arsenal won. Brentford won on Saturday. And great day. Great game. Uh, great resilience from the Bees. Great attacking flair from the Bees. Uh, a bit of luck from the Bees. You know, something that we don't necessarily always have. Um, we pretty much had it all on Saturday. The only thing that we didn't have is... Uh, to get that last minute winner, which is, uh, which would have really topped it off on Saturday. And it really would have probably topped off a lot of Arsenal fans if that had happened. But what an absolutely fantastic performance by Brentford on Saturday. And what a result. The Allard. Yeah, just, um, it, it, it was not dissimilar to the way we've approached most of the games against the big teams this season in that we, we were happy to give the ball up. Um, we were happy to sort of play like a deep block, I think is the modern phrase for, for defending deeply. But when we did but when we did have an opportunity, we went for it. And and it turned out we were the ones creating the chances, especially in the first half. I think we went in at half time, um, very disappointed to honestly only be nil nil. I think we could have easily been one nil up, maybe even, you know, being greedy two nil up. Um yeah. well, second on, half on, a little bit on, more even. On BBC Radio Five on in the evening on their podcast as well. They actually said that we should have been three up at half time, which I thought was I thought that was quite generous. But I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not going to argue with, with those pundits who the pundits who were there at the game. So uh, you know, let's let's call let's call it a hat trick. You know, um, so saying that, that lot, if if we should have been three up at half time, which you could say arguably we should have been, then is it actually an opportunity lost? Because we're going to talk about this VAR in a minute, but. The reality is, and this is my whole argument about this whole VIR stuff that they are focusing on. The reality is that they got away with one in the first half, hundred mm. percent. They got yeah. away with one, and okay, so we got away with one in the second half. So they got away with three in the first half. So if they got away with three <laughs> and we got away with one, surely that makes us the winner. Yeah, I mean well, the XG decides the winner, doesn't it? And only when only when we win it, though. Yeah, yeah, and I think even if you take our goal out. 
which, you know, with the VAR arguments, I still think we win on XG from what I vaguely remember. At worst case, it was one all. Um, I mean, our goal was was different to VAR, the, the Mbumo goal, because the referee clearly blowed the whistle. And from the moment the whistle is blown, then I guess all players are, are reacting differently. So that is kind of a different... It's, it's a very different argument to the argument about VAR. There's an argument for the Mbumo goal that, that the ref could have thought, well, I'll let that carry on and then it can go to VAR or I let it carry on and then, then I'll blow. Maybe should have blown after the, the sort of the play to use an Americanism um, concluded which would have been the Mbumo shot. Then he can blow for a free kick. Then it can go to VAR to decide. But yeah. that, you know, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and just coming back to I mean, the, 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 the XG for the game, 1.37 to Arsenal and 1.86. I mean, we created, you know, quite a lot of very good chances Big yellow bubbles because we were playing, but well, we weren't playing in yellow, we were actually playing in blue. But big yellow bubbles in the area, including the Ivan Tony goal as well. But there are other chances in there as well, which we did create as well, which is, you know, Rico Henry in five minutes. That's 50%. One in two normally go in the back of the net, that one there, like, you know. So, um, you and, know, and, I, that, and, and that was a weird one, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know what you thought, but, but it seemed like sort of. You know, it seemed like Rico didn't quite follow in, did he? I, d- I don't know what, what you thought, Lainey. It, it, seemed, it seemed like he got in the way of Brian and Bumo that was coming in behind him. Mm. Um, you know, whether whether he had to he had to take the chance, but um, his finishing is, is pretty pretty poor, isn't it, Rico? Let's, let's, let's be honest with you. It, it didn't surprise me he didn't go in, um, but he, he seemed to get in the way, if, if, I, if I'm honest. Um, and then, obviously, the other massive chance was Ivan Tony, where he hit the bar. Um, you know, again on another day, he, he, he you know, he, he finds he finds the net there, and the, so, and the probability of that one was thirty five percent, so roughly about one in three of those normally it, hit the back of the net. And 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 it was brilliant play as well. I mean, the, the, he laid it, didn't he, to Mbumo? Then Mbumo, you know, cuts back in or whatever, and then he picks Tony out with that cross. You know, just pulls it back rather than hitting the the sort of the aimless ball across. He just picks Tony out and. And we score them goals a lot, actually. They're, they're kind of, in some respects, our bread and butter, those pullback goals. Yeah, I mean, another that we had, uh, what's it, we had um, Ethan Pinnock, we had a sort of one in tenner. We had uh, Ben Mee as well, who had a one in tenner as well. We had Christian Norgard, a 90 plus five as well, who had a sort of kind of one in tenner as well, as in one out of 10 normally go in the back of the net. So, yeah, you the, know. The Ben Mee one was like, a, it was a really hard header, wasn't it, Goldwood? Did it hit? Did it hit Pinnock or somebody or, yeah, or hit I'm, one of their players or something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. But, you know, like I said to you, really good opportunities. And I know you were talking about the the Arsenal, um, you know, the goal that yeah, Arsenal are saying should not have been allowed. OK, so if you want to take that off, OK, all right. So you take that off and, you know, you're talking about a that was a sort of a 56, which is, you know, just over one in two chance. So you take 56 percent off, you know, from our XG. So that brings it down to uh, yeah, 1.3. No, but one point it brings them to one point three two. So Arsenal one point three seven to us one point three. You know we're roughly the same. You know, so it's you know that's what happens if you take away our goal as well. So I think my my thing is that you know Arsenal fans instead of moaning about what happened with the VAR, should it or should not have been, surely they should be more concerned about how open they've been. The fact that we were able to actually, we only had nine shots, if I remember rightly, they had like 22, 
Okay. And they, they all going, oh, yeah, yeah, we had much more possession. We had much more shots. Yeah. But the fact is that all your shots are literally tiny little dots around the edge of the area. You didn't create anything except for the Trossard chance. Okay. But other than that, you created so many tiny little dots that you managed to accumulate yourselves 1.37. With the, with the Trossard chance and the Trossard chance okay that was a big chance that was like you know that was one in I think it's one in one in two or something like that you know so 55% but other than that all the rest of them are tiny you know you know five percenters six percenters something like that and the fact that we were able to create more with the seven chances or eight chances that we had surely that should be something they should be more worried about than the kind of the fact that the referee did or didn't give VR because these these chances are going to happen all the time. You're going to get things that go with you and go against you. But as a team, they should be looking at the fact that, you know, we managed to break them down and create brilliant chances almost every time we went forward. I, I just love the fact that all this noise is going on <clears throat> about something that was nothing to do with us. You know, we, we just we just got on and, and played our game. You know, we're not we're not discussing a goal that you know is contested about. Did he? Didn't he dive? Have we tried to cheat? Have we tried to do something that's against the sort of like the gentlemanly conduct of a match? Is it unsporting? <clears throat> We've just put the ball in the back of the net. The mistake has been made by VAR people. There is it a mistake? Is he offside? Blah blah blah. Whatever. <clears throat> it's we we we'll just roll with it. We'll roll with the decision. It's we we've gone to arsenal and created really high quality chances we've done that in every game we play no matter who we play we go there and we play our game we impose our patterns of play um and we we create trouble we create real trouble and you know ivan tony man of the match by a country mile there he he's 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 bossing some multi multi-million pound defenders you know champions league defenders he's proving that he is a champions league player you know i've got you know my authors like man united guy rang me today oh ivan tony man united have got to go in for him in the summer what's happening with this you know the betting situation it's like well you know don't know yet whatever we we need to be in for him we need him in our team you know his reputation is growing by the week he's was it 14 goals now this season He's more than a one-season wonder. You know, he he is, and Brentford are, uh, you know, giving it to the giving it to the big boys. And uh, you know, it is they can gripe on as much as they want, but you know, it's whatever. Just um it's it's not really our problem. And um that's that's a really good position to be in. Yeah, and talking about player of the match as well, Ivan Tony was voted the besotted global player of the match. Thanks to David again, the Tasmanian bee out there in Tasmania who uh, who compiles us every single week, actually. So it's Ivan Tony at number one, Roslev at number two, and Ethan Pinnett as number three. And to be quite honest with you, I mean, those are, I mean, all the players played really well. But, you know, again, you could see, you know, talking about other players, Roslev has just stepped up next level i mean he really has stepped up next level and if you think about him you know you see how cool and composed he looks um playing against arsenal and confident he looks playing against arsenal and you saw this kid is somebody who's come out of our b team you know what i'm saying you know he's playing against 100 million pound players and he literally has come out of him we've cost us nothing you know so uh just things like that you know it makes you feel really really proud and obviously ethan pinnock he is just 
you know, I mean, I've, who is it? There's, there's a few people out there who are trying to sort of kind of, kind of trying to, trying to get him into the England team, you know, mm -hmm. um, not probably knowing that he actually plays for Jamaica and it's uh, going to be quite difficult to get him in the England team because he already plays for another country, but he is a, he is a really quality player and this and this is the one thing that's gonna and it's interesting to just ask you that about this the, the allard you know arsenal you know pinging the ball around and passing the ball around as they do you know having their two thousand passes or whatever like that getting the ball out and then banging the ball into the middle you know that is just kind of fodder for for, for pinnock who was just cleaning up all day long wasn't he yeah I mean, it's what man city did you think they might have learned from that and to be fair the goal they scored wasn't doing that it was it it was like a you know they finally got an overlap on the on the far post and, and scored their goal and um and you know between probably Wurzlev and Ira pick, maybe picking up wrong players we we, we didn't pick up um Chossard. but but yeah exactly we if if teams want to do that if they just want to lump the ball in the middle um, or, or just hit, you know, crosses through the middle. Then between, especially Ben Me as well, um, we, we we'll take that all day long, and and we're defending incredibly well at the moment. And I I don't think we're giving teams opportunities to to sort of tear us or cut us apart. Arteta, I'm going to ask you a question. I mean, mm. the thing is that he he was he came under a bit of stick from Arsenal fans last season. Again, it's something that, you know, I talked to them about on AFTV and I said to him, don't you think that, you know, it's actually on the Besotted podcast, you know, you, 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 you go in too early on your managers, you know what I'm saying? You just don't give him enough opportunities. So they gave him grief last season. Now he's obviously coming through, but do you think the position that he takes sometimes is that of a sort of kind of slightly bitter person, you know, if things don't go his way, or do you think that's the stance he needs to take to assert his authority? So say for example, with the goal that didn't ha happen, apparently he said something like, you know, I'm not going to be happy until they give us that goal back because that's my goal. You know, that was my win. You know, I'm not going to be happy until they give us the win. You know, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't um, um, human error. You know, it was error. Um, do, do you think that attitude is a bit kind of unnecessary? It's, it's, it's going for the, the old siege mentality, isn't he? He's, uh, it's, 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 he's push, positioning himself where in the end, Every fan of every other club hates him, but Arsenal fans love him. And um, I, I, I just don't think he needs to be as salty as, as he is. And I, I just think he's um, performative. And uh, he, he, he's obviously animated and he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. But I think, I think he's just playing up for the cameras. And, and, and um, I think he's acting a lot of, a lot of the time as well. But um, yeah, I... I is you know obviously he's he's disappointed, but uh, I just don't think there's quite enough honesty overall about the the performance. Yeah, there's that one chance, but overall, I, I think he ought to be quite relieved that he got a point out of that. I don't know about you, Matt. I mean, I I I, I read it a little bit differently. I actually think he's suffer I think he's come. I think he's feeling the pressure actually of the title race. Um, I think that the first sort of senses after. Um, we came back from the World Cup break, and I, I'm, I'm desperately trying to think of the game, but he lost it massively on the touchline in, I think, was it the first half of the game? And got, I think he got booked or something, and maybe I'm making that up, but, but in my head he did. And um, and I, I don't think I've seen him a sort of project a calm persona in recent weeks. And this is the first, this is their first blip of the season. Um, they've only taken one point out of six, I guess. Um, having lost to Everton, so I I think it's sort of a big time actually for him to stay calm and and get and get this back on track. I I I think he's under pressure, and I think he, I think he's really showing the pressure at the moment. And it's probably a little bit of a lack of experience 
um, of being in that position as a manager. There's a, I mean, he does have, he does, he hasn't been in this position before, and you can all say that probably about quite a lot of the team. Um, you know, they haven't got that many um, Premier League winners in that team, have they? I mean, you know, one or two here and there. So, and and none of them playing for Arsenal. So I just think, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure showing, and um, and I think that's what comes out in a lot of these interviews. Mm, okay, so listen, I mean, we've been talking about this game quite a lot ourselves. Let's go back to Saturday, to the terraces, to the stands. Let's have a little listen to what the fans had to say, both Brentford and Arsenal fans, in the stands and also in the pubs after the game. And don't forget, no one knew about the VAR issues at this time. We had the better chances here at the woodwork. We should have done better, maybe. But, but I think we kept them quiet pretty much all game. Apart from their goal, right? Good goal. We were getting tired legs by that stage. But we got back into it and we scored a, we scored a goal. I was slightly nervous when they were getting to VAR, man. But, but you but, love VAR. Yeah, 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 I love VAR. I love VAR now. I thought we had the better of the first half, really. Certainly better chances, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely unbelievable. Thank God for VAR. I used to think it was rubbish. Because 99%, they chalk it off for a toenail. But today... We got the decision and it's absolutely fantastic. Onwards and upwards we go. Amazing result, Billy. Absolutely superb today. The boys were brilliant at every point. Gave absolutely everything. Scored a goal. Bit League One, but it was a great goal. But we had loads and loads of blue blobs everywhere on the XG and they had tiny little red ones. That's all we need. But no, the lads defended so well, so brave. And then on the counter-attack, hit them hard. So brilliant result. Absolutely phenomenal result. Let's remember, Arsenal are a top, top side. And we matched them again there. We ran at them, we fought for everything, a bit scrappy at times, but we're going into games at Arsenal Man City these days thinking we can get something. It's crazy. Ten unbeaten in the Premier League. But look at the chances we had. Another day, Tony put two of them in. Brian might have scored. Clear-cut chances. We were much stronger. And defensively, whoever we put out with it, Hickey, Zanka, Pontus, no one's letting us down. Everyone is so solid and so organised. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Coming to Arsenal, mate, Away, we are a premiership team and we stood up to them at the top of the league. Excellent, excellent. Because you know what? That's just guts coming back and actually we were all over them. We should have won that game at league 3-1. We should have won it. But it shows that we can mix it with the best easily. You beast! You beast! Oh, do you know what? I come here expecting, you know, um, I thought we'd put up a performance but we'd lose. But we were superb. I thought the first half... I don't think they knew how to cope with us. We blocked them out, we defended so well, and we, we could have had a couple of goals in the first half. Tony, who made the move, who hit the bar, he should have scored. Henry had a good chance to score. We were the better team first half by far. Their goal, Trossard, obviously, is um, a threat. We knew when he came on, he's a threat, and he took his goal well, but we, we never give up, do we? No, I don't think our Arsenal came here, the crowd came here expecting just to win and we'd roll over they'd beat us 2 or 3 nil, 2 or 3 one and at the end I think it was evident they didn't clap the team at all we're all going mad clapping our lot they didn't even applaud their team it was, it was 10 out of 10 what a performance so hats off to Frank and all the lads absolutely unbelievable I mean, what an amazing game for anyone to watch first and foremost but we just fought for it the whole game we say it all the time don't you you're only as good as how you, how you play off the ball and granted we didn't have a lot of possession for 
good spells in that game, but we defended so well. Thomas Frank always invites them. He always tells the players, wait for the last minute before you put that challenge in. It really paid off. We looked so confident. Weren't scared. Like, take your shots. We're going to get in the way of them. We weren't scared. I had a feeling, you know, when you get that feeling that you're going to score. I can't lie, I haven't been this nervous and shaky at a game in a long time, but we just we just looked up for it the whole time. We didn't deflate. Sometimes that happens. You, look, you held on nil-nil for that long. You kind of have that doubt in your mind. Do we just go for the draw at this point? Then you concede and you think you throw in the towel. But they didn't do that at all. They really, really fought for it. Well, I think he's just got the tactics right for every big game. He changes the formation, brings in different personnel occasionally. He seems to have an answer for every problem they put in front of him. He's a top manager. He really is. And I thought Tony had a brilliant game. He won most things in the air today. And they were looking for little knock-ons from him. I thought it was a fantastic team performance. But Tony, for me, probably stood out. Oh, you guys are good. You had the best chance in the first half. Great, great battle between Tony and Saliba. Probably one of the best battles we get all year. I was here with a friend who's Dutch. We were, we were talking about the game. And I was, he says they're a rivalry. I was like, not really, it's not really a derby. But there, there, there is the game at the start of 21 when the, the little kick around with the boys. So right. it's probably a little bit, there's probably a little bit of a needle between the players. Right. But, uh, look, it was good. We, having been, for only the second time this year, we haven't won. So the atmosphere in the Solington was not quite what it could have been. But look, you, they, you guys were good. So can't, can't, can't argue with that. No, no. Uh, if we, like, it, first half, you probably missed two great chances. Probably deserve to be ahead. You, you guys were good. Only the, only the second teams get any points from here in the league. So, well, well done. Yeah. You should be proud because, like, you hit us on the edge from the get-go. I think you clear, you had um, a very good chance in the first opening five minutes or something. And I looked at my friend, I was like, do you know what, we might be in trouble. But it just felt like the, the whole game, it felt quite compact. And it was so hard in the final third for us to make anything happen. Like, Arsenal's been so electrifying, like, from the wings. But for some reason today, it didn't feel like there was any hope or any spaces. So I feel like credit to you guys. And to be honest with you, you we were really fortunate. Because like I said, there were three good chances. I think Tony hit the bar. And it was just like, I, I'm, I'm walking away frustrated because I didn't meet my expectations. But I feel like I'm very fortunate to walk away with the point. So there you have it, the Arsenal fans and the Brentford fans talking about that match. Beast fans, very happy. Arsenal fans, a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous, you know. The eye on the ball, the eye on the Manchester City game on Wednesday, the eye on the fact that they think that they might fluff it, the eye on the fact that, you know, some of them just, you know, to be fair, a lot of them were actually saying fair play to Brentford um, for what you've done. Um, but also, like I said to you, some of them are a little bit nervous, the fact that well, they could be undone by a teams like Brentford and they were probably quite happy that they got a point. Um, That's before they found out about the VAR stuff. But anyway, but listen, you know, that was really interesting um, views from the fans there. I mean, anything else to add, uh, the Allard? Um No, not really. I think it was just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had to listen to it and it's it's just how good we are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Rusty B. I mean, he, he, I, I hope he's in that clip, but but yeah, just like all over it, how good we are. And I saw him after the game as well, and um, and we were just saying we're really, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, just just I mean, just going back to a little bit of summary of that match. You know, what Arsenal were good at. Arsenal were good at 
creating goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks, okay? And that was it. Brentford were good at creating a high number of chances relative to their possession, also effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces. Arsenal were poor at finishing, and the Bees lost possession often. Arsenal, uh, they had a large quantity of possession in their opponent's half. They favoured long shots, dominated possession. They favoured crossing the ball and also through balls, whereas we attacked down the left-hand side and through the middle. Had a high shot frequency when we were in possession, which is good because we talked about that quite a lot as well. We favoured crossing the ball and we favoured long balls as well. You know, 23 attempts to Arsenal's nine. But again, on the XG front, we came out higher on that. So what is that saying to you? You know, who is the most successful side then? Some people say the people that put the ball in the back of the net. Okay, which is true. You know, but at the end of the day, you can only put the ball in the back of the net if you create chances to put them in the back of the net. So I'm glad that we're creating these high quality chances. We need to actually, Ivan Tony just needs to have just put them away. And then we would have been laughing. Top performers, according to who scored, Ivan Tony with 8.7. Then it's Partey, then Saka, 7.8, 7.6. And then David Raya and Ethan Pinnett as well, 7.4. On that front so yeah i mean overall it it's it wasn't a fluke i mean just looking at at that you know mapping out the game it wasn't a fluke it's almost like again if you're talking about two managers and you know again you know laney's probably talked talk to a couple of his arsenal chums i've spoken to a couple of my, my arsenal chums some of them are a bit salty as they say you know they're sort of saying you know about us parking the bus about us falling over, about us not, not getting out of our half and, you know, just basically going on about the fact that, in effect, they couldn't break us down, you know. And it, and and my argument to them, I'm saying, listen, you know, you've got to change your game plan according to the team. And, you know, at the end of the day, teams used to do this to, this to us all the time in the championship while we were making a thousand passes a game and couldn't break them down and weren't scoring goals, you know. And we've realised to ch change the game up. So that's what we've done against Arsenal. We've worked out where their weaknesses are and we've dealt with it they couldn't deal with it and that's why there is an argument to say and again just coming to maybe tactics wise they're the allied where some people are saying you know maybe with Arteta he's a little bit kind of Warburton-esque not quite like that with the lack of plan B you know what I'm saying it's kind of like how do I change things up he's not he's, he's quite sure how to do it do you think it's that bad or do you think it's just that we were too good um, I yeah I mean I mean changing it up he'd probably need a different centre forward I mean I He's got an injury. He's got Jesus out injured. Um, so he's got, I think, I guess, probably the only other centre forward at the club, unless there's, the, 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 there's a youngster there that I don't know. I, I, cause changing it up means going more direct, doesn't it, really? And I, I'm i not sure he's got the players to do that. Would they do that, though? Would they? Because there is a certain snobbery about playing that way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at Man City this season. You know, they've changed it up. Um, but they're not better than they were last season, so so maybe maybe that snobbery is reasonably well found. And, and Man City has spent a lot of money to change it up. Um, and yeah, they're, but, they're not, but they're not any better. They're not scoring more goals. I think they're letting more goals in. Um, <laughs> so it, you know, I, so I kind of get the snobbery of of not changing it up at, at that level. Arsenal are a really good side. I just think at the moment, I mean, I thought they were cruising, you know, certainly before the World Cup, and they just. I, you know, they just need to get back to doing what they were doing well, which, um, and probably need Jesus fit again at some point. Yeah. It'd okay. be interesting to know how the result goes tomorrow night because they're, they're against Manchester City. Yeah. They're obviously going to move on bleating about VAR. Um, so there'll be another controversy, um, controversy tomorrow, probably. Um, I, I, I put my money on Man City. Then, you know, if they get, you know, an, another 
you know, one point from three, then it'll be starting to get squeaky bum time. But, you know, I, it's just, I, I go, just going back to the VAR very briefly, I, it does bug me, and, I, and I, I mentioned it in the intro, that if it, if it was Brentford and there was um, a, a VAR goal that we, you know, a goal against us uh, that isn't given, the press... The press don't do this, you know. There's, there's no, there's no Premier League apology. There's no stripping of officials. There's no, there's no sort of, um, you know, uh, there's no like absolute interrogation of uh, and and like mass media debate about it. It's just, oh well, you know, it, it happens. You know, Matt, you know, you you brought it up off air. You know, Nottingham Forest away. Yeah, what, I- what happened there? I mean, I've got loads of stuff on the, on this, really. Just in in if you take us for example, not in a forest away. When it was it six six minutes of injury time, Forest score and equalised to make it two all. Um, that goal is for for me. When I look back at it, that goal it's offside. I mean, so so Ryan Yates, they. He, he he seems to be standing in an offside position, which they don't draw the line, so they don't really confirm it. And then they spend then they spend as far as I can recall, I don't know, two or three minutes trying to work out if the ball ever touched him on the way into the goal, which it didn't. But he had to literally sort of get out of Ben Mee's way so the ball didn't go so the so he didn't hit the ball. Then the ball sort of bounces over him and he's flumbling around as as it hits Zanka. And you sort of think, how can he not be interfering with play? Um, but they never draw the line, so they never prove if he's offside because they sort of established he didn't kick the ball, and that 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 did get questioned, but only like here and there. But people did question it, but but nothing like this for Raw, and arguably because that was sort of into the six minutes of injury time. I mean, we've forgotten about it to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, we we definitely would have won that game because there wasn't another ten or fifteen minutes to go. Who who knows what could have happened in those ten or fifteen minutes? So you know, it, it happens. I, when I go to this VAR. My over my overarching sort of feeling is that the ball was bouncing here, it was bouncing there. There could have been four or five offsides during that process of play. And and it went on long enough, not finding an offside, that how long do people want to stop to go searching for offsides? If they because you know, so they could have drawn another line or they, or whatever for, for Norgard. And and I think that probably uh, the only thing I was saying, because it was offside, I'm not, I'm not debating it, I get it was offside, but in Lee Mason's defence, I bet he's got a target to get this sorted in three minutes or whatever. You know, the Premier League is saying, we can't have VAR going on for eight minutes for a single goal. And he's probably under that sort of time pressure. And in the end, he just thinks, well, I've solved the main problem um, with, with, with Pinnock, which is what we noticed first. Um, I can't quickly see anything else, so we'll just, yeah, we'll crack on. I... I I think VAR's got its flaws, unless people want to sit around for eight or nine minutes waiting for these sort of goals to be looked at. Do you reckon he's got the old countdown clock going in the background? I do, I do, because... Yeah, I honestly do, and that's what I say in his defence, because everybody moaned it was taking too long, so they're trying to make it quicker. And I bet I bet there's a target for how long you can look at this for. I bet it's, you know... So he's under a massive amount of time pressure. And I've still got I've still got a problem with um with the disallowed Tony goal at Fulham. You know, some some of the angles, the lines that I saw from the pictures afterwards, they weren't they were like drawn by a three year old with crayons. They weren't they weren't straight. You know, uh, but you you just have to move past it and think, well, we are going to get one that goes our way later on in the season. You know, I, it 
it, you you have to adopt that attitude when 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 it's irretrievable. They're not going to play. I know they're talking about shall we play the game again against Brentford? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, let's that, play that the has, game that, because, that has because, been mentioned. Because 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 this is the them. Arsenal fans are talking about that. You mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. I, I, yeah. Hopefully, the Premier League can't. Sure, 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 <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's sure. going to happen. But that's an opportunity to take three points, right? Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah, that would be quite funny. Actually, you know, I mean, just coming back to I mean, it, I mean, again, it's a joke. Yeah, but, we're not, you know. we're not, we're not going to long out because the thing is that we can go into a whole long VAR argument, you know. And the thing is, we've said this and we said this a million times. Now, the thing about it is that you know, for me, the technology. I personally think it's good, but if it's used in the right way, the problem that you've got is like, it's almost like when a kid gets a new toy, so and then, and then you use it, and then you use it to the, oh, the ultimate effect that is not needed, you know, it's not needed at all. And with VAR, the whole idea of VAR, the whole idea of offside in the first place, basically, I mean, offside initially, I think it was almost like bent to stop goal hanging, right? So you've got somebody hanging around in the goal down there and it's like, oh, hold you know. So you've got this rule to come in to stop them doing that, okay? So eventually that's how it, you know, that's how, that's how it worked. Now, when you've got a referee who may or may not be able to make a mistake, I mean, the whole idea, and we've talked about this before, is kind of like, what is the point, what, looking at where the, what the point is of, um, of offside. And as soon as, like I said to you, you get to this whole thing where you're talking, I mean, we're laughing about, you know, the lines weren't drawn straight and the lines weren't drawn this. Yes, in principle, yes, you, you are going to get people when an offside rule is played are going to be on and off and they're going to be slightly on and off. But the whole idea of it is that it's kind of meant to try and stop kind of, to me, really bad offsides. And if it's obvious, okay, Let's call it. But as soon as it starts to get to this ridiculous thing where you've got to draw lines and measure it and take time out and take eight minutes to measure it, it completely defeats the object. And then if you turn around, as the Allard will say, and says, but if you put computer technology in, then you've got to use that technology. If the technology says it's off, it's off. That is right, but it almost like defeats the object. So what you've done is that you've created things to actually kind of make it even more difficult. And I think we kind of need to just strip it away a little bit and kind of come back to football rather than all this nonsense because I'm, I'm not one of these, oh, I hate VAR people. I just, I'm one of these, I think VAR needs to be used kind of in the way it's meant to be slightly more leniently, if that makes sense. And, and and it does make sense, but the problem you the, the problem is you then have to define what is clear and obvious or what is slightly more leniently. Otherwise, what happens is we're on this podcast next season saying, yeah, but that was clear and obvious, but that wasn't clear and obvious. But the Arsenal for fans thought it was clear and obvious, but I don't think it was clear and obvious. So you, I, I honestly think you've got this problem whether you have VAR, you don't have VAR. You go with the clear and obvious. Whatever you do, you're still going to be rowing about it because because okay. at some point you have to say this is the cutoff. Okay, tell you what, tell you, you know what, what I mean? do. Tell you what I do. Right. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Go on. I'd say, to me, the ref is the ultimate, right? The, uh, and, and, and I'll say this as well. My daughter's just actually just done a referee course. She's refereed the first three matches. And for me, I'm, I'm, you're sitting down there as a father thinking, you want to make sure that everybody on that pitch particularly respects that person there because you know she's related to me so you feel more and you're watching the ref what they do even more so for me you know the whole idea of people abusing refs and everything like that is kind of completely out the window now for me the ref should be controlling that game now I believe that they should be using the technology to help them but I think that it's up to their decision now, if their decision, and if all of a sudden, if, say, for example, if the referee makes a decision and that referee is maybe sort of kind of 10% out or something like that, or, you know, three inches out or something like that, and they measure that, and if he makes a decision and he's wrong, I think they should just shut up and leave him to get on with it, right? <laughs> that's seriously, I just think, that's it. Oh, sorry, you know, but they should pull him up if he's if he's gone over a certain boundary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which will leave the referee I- to actually be, to become the controller. Yeah, I do, I do. But the problem is, is that is that you have to define the boundaries, and then you'll be rowing about whether he did, whether it was past the boundary or not. So, it, for for me, you just move the argument to something else, because you can't because you can't define the boundaries as was he thirty percent wrong? Because what's thirty? Do you know what I mean? I I know you were just using it and you didn't mean that exactly, but but unless you, you just unfortunately most of this is subjective a lot of this is subjective and whether you get VAR or not and people are going to have different opinions as to whether it was right or wrong whether that's Alan Shearer or Match of the Day or us three talking on a podcast or the Arsenal fans on AFTV so you you probably ain't going to take this out and the whole idea of VAR was to take all of this discussion out so maybe you just go back to not having VAR all, all controversial anyway listen we're going to move on because uh tell you what we're going to do because um like i said to you arsenal playing man city which is a big 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 title decider as well but there's also been a few other things that have been going on in the league which we thought was quite interesting i'm going to go off and get another beer and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the premier league so Premier League start to get a bit interesting, actually. I mean, it's more interesting when you're relaxed, when you know you're not going to get relegated, it has to be said. Um, but I'll tell you what the interesting things about it is that, you know, um, as opposed to last season, you know, where we kind of, you know, you had your Norwiches and you had your kind of, you know, you, you know, even like your Burnleys and you had, your, you know, your teams that you knew were going to, they look, they were looking pretty stinky from, from, from the off. Um, this season, there's been a bit of a merry-go-round and uh, there's been all sorts of stuff happening. You know, quite interestingly, you know, Southampton, who were kind of sort of mid-table for a bit, but they, they just sort of kind of fell off a cliff and they've ended up at the bottom of the league and they've got our old mate Rasmus there. And Rasmus has been getting a bit of grief from the Southampton fans, which we didn't mention, actually, when when uh, when, when we played Southampton a couple of weeks ago, actually. We kind of sort of kept quiet on that one, but they're, they're not particularly happy with what Rasmus is doing down at Southampton. Um, and then particularly, they weren't happy with their manager, Nathan Jones, that they picked. And uh, tell you something, he... he after about two weeks, he was uh, he was he was <laughs> he was on a hiding to nothing down at Southampton. So they've just sacked him. You know, obviously Everton have sacked uh, Frank Lampard as well. Um, then you've got uh, then you've got Leeds United with Jesse Marshall, as they call him Yank Lampard as well, which is a bit of a a bit of a, a joke that has been flying around about him as well. Um, he's just been sacked at Leeds United, but then afterwards now he looks like he's going to go down to Southampton. So you know, what's the chances of him actually saving Southampton and them actually missing out on relegation and then Leeds United? getting relegated so there's all sorts of stuff that's going down in the in the in the in the Premier League at the moment now which has made it interesting isn't the Allard 
Yeah, it's um, I, I I think when we came up to the Premier League, a lot of people sort of warned us that you know you get bored of it quite quickly because you're losing all the time. Luckily, we had the luxury of not being in that position. I'm loving it. I think I think I mean maybe because I don't I'd never really followed the Premier League, you know, when we weren't in it. I think this season is turning into one of the classic sort of you know Premier League seasons. We don't know who's going to win the league, or maybe it is a two-horse race. It could end up maybe someone else breaks into it and who's going down is just brilliant isn't it I mean it's um it is it's it's brilliant that we're not involved in it for sure it'd be it'd be a bloody nightmare if we were sitting on 22 points at the moment I can tell you that much but it's it's yeah I think I think it's great this season there's a lot of personalities around as well I mean Nathan Jones was was um comically entertaining wasn't he's a character he's a character um and um, and the next most comically entertaining manager is about to take over at Southampton by the sound of things. So I'm, I'm loving that bit of merry-go-round, and yeah. um, and maybe and it would be funny, I guess, if Southampton did pull out of it and and drop Leeds in it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. If that Nathan, Nathan Jones is like the Liz Truss of football management, isn't he? Yeah, he's kind of yeah. been and gone, and like, you, will you ever remember he was there? And especially his, you know, his self-proclaimed. Um, best manager in Europe or whatever it was <laughs> he's, he's clearly cut out for Leeds isn't he I mean who, who, who are the champion the perennial champions of Europe is Leeds yeah. so they are they are on the same wavelength he, he is so suited to go there um, I just hope hopefully he will and he'll take him down and it does make you wonder a bit about Rasmus, doesn't it? Because, because he literally went to Southampton and did exactly what I think we all thought he would do which was basically not a lot because he's not that sort of manager. He's a he's, he's a manager that sort of builds a team like he's done at Luton on you know certainly on one occasion. He probably came back to half of it the next time around, and and sort of you know coaxes them into his sort of mould, and um, and just to throw him into Southampton just as he was thrown in at Stoke and expect miracles. It just seemed a, it was a bizarre appointment unless they literally were preparing for the championship. And the fact they sacked him would suggest they weren't preparing for the championship. You know, they did have this idea he was going to keep him up. I just thought it was a, it was a very odd appointment. Well, if that, that was their view. I think either that, the Allard, or basically the, the, the absolute abuse and the barrage of abuse that they got, maybe they thought, actually, maybe <laughs> maybe they just did the backtrack. I mean, Rasmus did a fans forum mm. recently, and he sat in front of the fans forum, and he talked to them about certain things, and he talked about how he'd made the mistake at Brentford with Dijkhausen, and they weren't afraid to kind of, you know, to, to sack him in the end. And if they felt it was the right thing to, to do, they would do. But in the end, like I said to you, I suppose, at the end of the day, I suppose losing, going one and up against Wolves, and then going losing 2-1, you know, and Wolves are 10 men, they probably thought we're just going to get absolute dogs abuse here and it's just not worth our hassle, you know, so they just probably thought they'll get rid of it. And also, Lees had also sacked Marsh and they probably saw it as a good opportunity to pick him up on the cheap um, because um, apparently he was, he, was, he was on the cheap at Brentford, um, at, not Brentford, at Leeds as well. So they probably thought we could pick him up on the cheap and he's already got a bit of a payoff as well. So we could probably uh, do a bit of a deal with him. So uh, so like I said to you, maybe it was uh, maybe the, the timing was right. But I'm just wondering as well, because we know about Nathan Jones quite a bit, more from the championship because he was in there with Luton, which he did really well. Stoke, he didn't do so well. And that's when his, he did those things with the eyes. Sometimes I say Kevin Keegan-esque, you know, when he was just kind of like, you know, him against the world, um, kind of sort of kind of battling against them. And then, you know, he's gone to Southampton where he's kind of done a little bit of that himself. Now, do you do you think that part of the reason why he may have got sacked was because of that and the way that he's behaved as opposed to what he's been doing on the pitch? They probably thought, oh, no, this guy's like, if he probably had a little bit, if he kind of kept his head down a little bit and just kind of had a little bit more humility, maybe they might have just carried on with him, but they probably felt like, oh, God, we can't defend him. We're in all sorts of trouble here. 
But he's he's not acting. He wasn't acting out of character, was he? He's got he's got a history of <laughs> of that sort of stuff. So I, d- I don't know. I mean, it just it it was an odd appointment because it it just it went. This happens all the time in football. Is that you know teams take on managers and it goes exactly the way you expect it to do, and you wonder why nobody at the club thought it might go that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it it it, it was the oddest. Yeah. yeah, it really was. And as Matt said, you know, it's not as if he hadn't got history. It's, but had he really earned the right to be managing a premiership football club? You know, you could argue, you could argue he, he, he had, but I mean, only if he probably took a team up. And I, and I think it's it's lovely to be sitting. Um, not uh, not the word smug is not is not something I'd use. But you know we we can sit and watch these kind of basket cases of clubs going on around us, and really you know from a position of you know stable kind of achievement, you know where where. We're bit, we're being talked about about European European you know tours, um, and we're we're you know almost certainly going to be possibly in the top ten. Um, it could be a lot lot better than that. So you know we're we're was it five or six points out of the Champions League places? It's it's all pos- it's all possible. It's ours to lose, and you know um, at least. As Matt said earlier, we're not we're not looking over our shoulders this season, and although we did a little bit last year, we're we're, we're even even in a in a far more confident position than even we were last year. It's interesting. Okay, you know, as you know, I'm chumtastic. I've got chums all over the gaff, and uh, my Leeds chums, you know, they were all they were doing. They were giving it to me in their head about Jesse Marsh. We got to get rid of him. He's an idiot. He's useless. He's this. He's that. They were absolutely gunning him to pieces. They were my Leeds fans. So eventually, when he went, they go, "Thank God he's gone." Same time, like you know, you've got my Southampton fans who are gunning Nathan Jones down, gunning him, gunning him, gunning him. So now, you know, Jesse Marsh is gone. Then ironically, Jesse Marsh now looks like he's going to go to Southampton. And I sort of said to my Leeds mate, I said to him, you know what's going to happen? He goes, he goes, he knows. Jesse Marsh is going to go to Southampton. He's going to save them. And Leeds are going to get relegated. And he's absolutely shitting himself now. It's Saturday week. It's Saturday week, isn't it? I I, I believe it's Saturday week. They're playing each other. Yeah, Yeah, they're playing each other. Up Ellen Road. And Southampton have got um, they've got Chelsea before that as well, who are mm. who are not on the greatest of runs as well. So you just never know. I just I just think that would be just the best one of the best stories ever if that were to happen. So you know, shall, we, we, we shall see. But again, you know, looking at five thirty eight as we do, you know, they've still got Southampton rock bottom, finishing at the bottom of the league with thirty points at the end of the season, and they got Bournemouth second bottom with 32 points. Everton, third bottom. Um, we haven't talked about Everton, a bit of a basket case club, as we say, on 33 points. Then they've got Nottingham Forest has actually dropped away a little bit because Nottingham Forest were up there before, but they're looking at Nottingham Forest dropping away a little bit, about on 38. So there's, there's a, still a big gap between Everton and Nottingham Forest, they believe. Okay, then Leeds United on 38 points as well. Wolverhampton on 41, West Ham on 41. So they're out of it. And Crystal Palace on 43, they think they're out of it. And Leicester as well. You know, we're not even we're not even in the picture, actually. We're on 1% chance of promotion, of, of relegation, whereas uh, Leeds United are on 24% chance of relegation. Everton are on 56% of uh, chance of relegation and Southampton 71%. So that's where it's kind of at, gives you a flavour of where it is at the moment now. So, but then, you know, all it needs is, uh, you know, Southampton to beat Leeds United and that just turns 
everything on its head and makes it quite interesting. Everton, but coming back to Everton, the Allard, you, you you had some thoughts on the Everton because it's a it's 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 really strange what's going on down there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I it, I guess they've gone for the manager that you would expect to get them out in a scrap, and maybe that was their only option that was left. Really, um, it it I mean. It, I thought it was intriguing that Mope didn't play for him on um, last night, on Monday night. Um, and he's obviously, you know, he's got his way of playing and, and it would appear that he doesn't trust Mope in it, um, which is bizarre as it was their sort of summer centre-forward signing. Um, I, Yeah, I, I still think Everton will be in trouble. I just don't think he's got the players there. They were really poor, weren't they, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I mean... I, I'm not sure. I, I know they've. Yeah, I, I just don't think the player. I mean, who are the players that are going to drag them out of it? I'm. I'm not sure. I. I, I still think they're probably going to finish below Leeds, and that might be enough to put them down. You would think. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool didn't realise what the what, what the game plan was actually the other day, did they? Um, not at all. Or maybe Everton didn't know what the game plan was the other day, but you know, but they didn't really do themselves any favours. But anyway, listen, just a little talk about what's happening down at the bottom. Uh, um, Bill, how's the how's the old West London West London League getting on? Uh, well, the fact is that you know the West London League, as we know, Brentford are still at the top of the league. Oh. Oh, oh, no. oh, 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 I'm not sure we are. Sure. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Well, we, we, in our minds, we're still top. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a game yeah. in hand. We've got yeah. a game in hand. Yeah, OK. No, we'll we'll give that to the F word, OK? So they're up there. They, so they, they, they beat Forest, temporarily. They? they? beat yeah. Forest. They're temporarily at the top, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, and then we are second. Uh, we are Chelsea, our third. And then, um, I'm, actually, I'm they're, they're, sure. and, um, QPR. So they're, so they're, where are they in the Premier League at the moment? Uh, I'm still looking actually. Um, I'll, it's not on 538, so maybe they've made a mistake. Hold on, I'll just check the league. To, I can't find uh, them actually, Danny. I, th- I think I think I might have made the blunder again. What was what that? I think I might be looking at um, the, the wrong table? That data from several seasons ago, from 30 years ago. Okay, right. Yeah. Don't do it again, lady. You, you seem um, to do this every week. You seem so, to do this uh, every week. Frank McClintock's still not playing. He's not playing for him now, is he? He doesn't play for them, actually. He doesn't manage us Phil, either. Phil Parks? No. No, no he doesn't play any goal for them, no. no. Jerry Francis? Dan Bowles? No. Oh, God, no. Okay. All right. No, no, no. Sorry. Apologies. Apologies. So where are they then? Where the hell are they then? I'll tell you something. What we'll do is that we're going to go over to JB. He's going to give us some facts and some funk. And that should give us enough time to actually for us to scroll down uh, far enough to try and see where QPR. They're not, they're not on that page either. No, they're not. Okay, this is JB with his facts. Not on that one either. And his what funk. The, what the hell are they? Jonathan Birchall back again. We know Arsenal was our 10th Premier League game unbeaten, but it was also the 7th league game in succession that we hadn't let a goal in in the first half. In the top tier, that second out into the 8 back in our original second season in Division 1 in 1936. 16 is the club record, set in 1981. We've never played Arsenal in the top tier. The original 5 seasons in the 30s and 40s, plus the 2 Premier League seasons. We did the double over them in 1937-38, but they've never achieved that over us in the seven seasons. Talking of doubles, 
Last season, four teams did that to us. Manchester City, Manchester United, Brighton and Leicester. As we've taken points of all of them this season, none will repeat that. With Arsenal failing to take all three points, the maximum number of doubles over us this season is three. Newcastle, Fulham and Villa. With all three still to play at home. For us, we can still achieve five. Last season it was just three, over Watford, West Ham and Everton. Next up is Crystal Palace, who we've drawn with in all our three Premier League meetings. Although we've not met them much in recent years, we're looking for our first league win over them since 1963. So there's JP with his facts and funk. He's Crystal Palace facts and funk. He, he, he completely ignored the QBR thing because he had absolutely no interest whatsoever in the QPR thing. All he wanted to talk about is the fact that, to be quite honest with you, we haven't beaten Palace since before we were all born uh, <laughs> in the league, which is quite a long time ago. 1963, I think it was. Um, the Beatles were doing things then. Um, there were other people that were doing things then. I don't even know who because I can't really say because I wasn't other, born. Other people doing things then. <laughs> <laughs> That's how vague it gets on this podcast, you know. When you haven't got facts, you just kind of just make it up, like, you know. But, uh, you know, 1963, I can't comment on 1963 because I was not born at that time. But all I know is that was the last time that we beat Crystal Palace in the league. Laney. So, Palace are coming to the mighty, mighty bees. Um, how are we going to do? I mean, Crystal Palace. Ooh, okay, I've got I've got chums. I keep talking about chums. I've got chums here, there and everywhere. I've got Tim Blacksmith over in America, who's flown over this week, actually, because he came over the Brits. He looks after Sam Smith as well as other people as well. And he, he sponsors my Barnet Panthers team as well. Thank you very much, Tim, for that. And he's a Palace fan, so uh, he may be coming to the match on Saturday if he decides to hang around instead of flying back to LA. So you've got him, you've got Neil, who's going to be coming down as well. You've got Toby. The kinder, the, the the Dulwich Hamlet crew, who's not going because he feels that the last three games were so terrible, he said, that he feels this is going to be terrible as well. So the loyalty bonus points are not there. So he's not even going to go to the game. Um, but I think more to the point is I think that the Palace fans out there, um, from what I can gather, are a little bit nervous about the way that they're playing at the moment now. And I had one or two of them even said to me that they felt that they are in relegation problems, which I think is absolutely not the case at all because they've got too many points and they're too far up the table. But they're not impressed by the way that they're playing football, which is interesting. Um, and we're going to hear from Dee in a minute from uh, Back of the Nest podcast because they were really impressed by um, what Vieira had brought to Palace and the way the type of football that they're playing. So it'll be interesting to hear how that has changed or not changed over the last six months. But Palace, you know, they, their strength is stealing the ball from the opposition and that's their one strength according to whoscore.com. The weakness is, is keeping possession of the ball, finishing scoring chances, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, defending against skillful players, aerial duels, defending set pieces, and they're very weak defending against attacks down the wings. Now, the Allard, how are you feeling about that? Palace are like in the bottom five teams in the league at the moment, aren't they, in terms of the last five games? I think um, three points from five games. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's a full turnaround to when we, because um, when we played them last time, this was sort of the, you know, the Vieira revolution. Um, and suddenly we're, we're, we're playing them and, and, yeah, they seem to be 
off, off with his head. I tell you yes. what, yes. Yeah, so are they off with his head? I mean, I don't know. In terms of Vieira, are they are they questioning that? Or we'll we'll find out from uh, from D in a minute. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Be interesting to hear. Um, I, I mean, you've got to put us as massive favourites, haven't you? On on Saturday to finally, you know, especially with the history, about time we beat them. Um, I yeah, I, I I don't know what's going on at Palace. I haven't really watched them in recent times, but they seem to me like a good sort of mid-table team and I suppose they're still 12th but but there's no denying that at the moment I think they're um, they're right down with Southampton, Bournemouth, Everton and Leeds as as three points from you know or less from the last um, five games so they're definitely struggling and they're probably glad of 24 points and not sitting there on 21. Yeah I mean for me and again I've got to check the stats and what we'll do is when D goes off and then we'll chat we'll go and check the stats we'll come back in a minute but from what I can remember Palace again, you know, we're a statty side, we're statty fans, you know, we've been we've been live and breathe this, so we do kind of understand that we bring it into kind of what we talk about. Palace have they don't necessarily create the high opportunity chances that we talk about, which we think is important. Uh, it's not the be on the end all, but it's important to try and get you where you're going to be going. You know, for us, we create the high opportunity chances, then we, then we don't put them in the back of the net, you know. But what Palace are good at doing is that they're, create, they're good at creating these chances. These, I mean, the goal that they scored against us, I think it was at the beginning of the season again, wicked goal, bang, outside the top of the area in the top corner. You know, they score these goals, they've got these players who are really skillful, who can pull one out the bag. But as you know, the problem is that if you can't you, you can't be doing that week in and week out because you can't rely on those goals week in and week out. And I don't think that they're creating the chances, the bigger opportunity chances. Um, and that's over over the space of a season. You know, you might score them goals, one goal here, one goal here, two goals in the game. And it's really fantastic. And that's the, it's the, the rush of blood to the head that fans love. But, you know, after a while, you get frustrated when your player's hitting the ball from 30 yards and it goes over the stand or it goes left or it goes right. And I think maybe that's, part of the problem what Palace have had they're not actually really sort of kind of sort of creating them opportunities and it's starting to get them frustrated you know maybe they got the possession maybe they're playing great football but maybe they're just not creating the chances but like I said to you we're going to hear from D right now from Bat of the Nest podcast and he's going to let us know about what the problems are if there are any problems going down at Palace at the moment What's going on, people? It's Steve from Back of the Nest giving my thoughts ahead of the game, giving you all the Palace insight before I start. Thank you for having me back on the channel. As a Palace fan, it's been frustrating this season uh, to talk about the team at certain stages of the game. But look, it is what it is. We're still here. We're trying to go to the end of the season and we'll see what happens. But look, let's talk about our summary of our season so far. As I just mentioned at the start of the pod, it's been mediocre at best and the reason for that is because we haven't strengthened the squad enough in the summer i mean we brought in two quality players in the quarry of riches but we also got rid of a lot of players um that we didn't replace and we went into the season basically with a weaker squad and and we continued that in january we brought in two players but still that's not enough um in terms of for us to compete at the levels that we did last season so the expectation this season has actually come down like the expectations are not as high as it was um in the previous season we thought we would build build on but we didn't really have the opportunity because of not spending enough money basically um so so yeah it's been a bit frustrating but there hasn't been any difference post world cup pre-world cup it's pretty much been the same old Palace. I guess in the style of play, yes, there has been difference. Um, we have gone a bit more defensive, um, trying to get the best out of the players because I think Vieira realised that playing that high-pressing football 
is not going to work so we try to be a bit more like defensive um in our approach to games and try to pick up more points try to be more defensively solid uh which has worked post world cup um we've picked up some good results against some quality teams so yeah if you look at our actual style of football yes it has changed but in terms of actual results and whether our season is going to change it's been pretty much the same throughout the season um but talking about the quality of the division and rivals this season i think it's been absolutely brilliant season we're seeing even at the top of the league arsenal competing at the highest level um you're seeing teams like liverpool and chelsea drop off uh which of course chelsea for you guys you must be enjoying that and then you're seeing teams pick up results and it's it's very still it's very tight even when we talk about relegation i don't think there's probably about two teams that people might favor but still don't know the third team and you still don't know who's going to finish in a in a top six or top seven top eight you guys are doing very well so in terms of actual rankings um to the quality of the division and the rivals this season i'll have to give it probably a eight out of ten um unexpected drops from big teams um and also increase from the likes of uh, Brentford and Fulham and other teams. So, yeah, it's been an exciting season for the neutral. But in terms of uh, moving on to the next question about Vieira, am I happy with him? Yes, I am. And there's a lot of Palace fans that are frustrated. And I have this topic literally every single time I do a show on Back of the Nest. But um, the reason why they are frustrated, frustrated is because we're not playing the same style of football as we were last season. Um, and we're not, well, funny enough, I think we picked up more points this season than last season. But in terms of the performances, it hasn't really matched last season. So there are people um, a bit angry with that. But I think you have to be realistic. We haven't strengthened the squad. We've regressed and people are having unexpected expectations and they have to realize that sometimes the palace fans we get carried away we are palace we don't have the resources of spending 80 70 million pound every window yes we have probably probably a bit more money than we have spent um this season so far and i don't think many palace fans will disagree but there's only so much Vieira can do and Vieira, the good thing about it is even during these hard times when he hasn't been backed as enough the, the positive has been that he has adapted his um, style of play. Um, so he has been able to, you know, change it up, as I mentioned just previously, um, with with going from his actual philosophy and changing up to adapt to the plays that he's got. So, yeah, um, I, I think he brings a lot. I think he brings in the quality of plays as well. Lots of players want to play under Premier League legend Patrick Vieira. And I feel like, you know, he's got a big summer. We've got a big summer as a football club to push on next season because it must be very frustrating for him as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I'm realistic with the expectations this season. In terms of am I comfortable with Palace squad this season? Um, I think I'm comfortable in terms of staying up. I feel like we've got enough quality to actually stay up in the, in the league. But in terms of um, whether we can push on to the top 10 or top 8 or... Even the likes of um, <laughs> top seven, even though that's that's very unrealistic at this stage. I don't think we've got that. I think we'll stay up. I think there might be points of the season where we might go down to 15th um, and to 10th. But, you know, I think we'll be stuck in between 12th to 15th pretty much. But, um, yeah, I, 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 look, in terms of the actual squad in itself, we do need a new right back. We do need a new forward. I mean, we started Jeffrey Schlupp and Jordan Ayew in our attack against... Um, against Brighton, which pretty much sums it up um, where our quality lacks. So we have some key areas like the right back, as I mentioned, maybe another left winger to back up Zaha when he's injured. Strikers, they've been out of form recently. Um, 
you know, their right back is it's been a problem all season in terms of actual quality. So yeah, we do need to strengthen. Um but I think we do have a solid enough squad to stay up. I think that's our expectation now. Just to stay up and just be around twelfth to fifteenth. Um but in terms of who would we be looking out for in Palace for you guys? It's 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 a bit difficult. It depends on who's back uh, from injury. Right now, as it stands, I think Zaha should be back. Joachim Manderson hopefully should be back as well. But it's it's a bit early to tell. So, um, but in terms of the actual players that I've played, Cech Decore, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this, and I think he's very underrated in the Premier League. He's a holding midfielder that's very comfortable on the ball. Is a typical modern number six. Um, you can do the defensive duty as well as the attacking duty. Um, so he's been on form, and you know. Apart from that, Mark Gehi, uh, Vicente Guaita, there hasn't been that many standout players um, recently, which pretty much sums up why we are where we are in the league. Um, but yeah, um, look, that, at least say if he's on on his game, he can be very good as well. But sometimes his decision making lacks. Um, but yeah, you most likely be them three players. If if Zaha and Yoki Madison don't play, if they play, then of course you have to look out for them as as well. In terms of the best game of the season so far, <laughs> there hasn't been that many great games this season. We have managed to pick up results, but off my head, the best game of the season so far. I feel like this will be recency bias, but the fact that we managed to get a point against Brighton, based on that VAR decision, and considering that they are our big rivals and they got frustrated frustrated that they couldn't beat us i think i was very happy with that um but west ham away that was a solid performance as well because we haven't won that many games away from home so that was our best game and the worst game of, oh, worst game of the season so far probably nottingham forest away from home where we literally had zero shots on target and that was right before the world cup break it, it gave a very sour taste um to all the fans um based on that performance it, it was just very poor very poor by our standards Zaha was playing and all these other players were playing but they weren't playing to the levels that they should be so so yeah um i feel like those are the two games that probably stand out to me so far but there hasn't been really any standout performances so far this season and um no i'm not re really worried about relegation talking about the next question um look as i mentioned before We'll, we'll bounce off from 15th to 12th or maybe 16th, depending on who we're playing. But we do pick up results here and there. Our problem is that we can't be consistent enough. And that's um, that's that's basically on the plays that we have. But then again, we do pick up points. So I'm not worried about relegation, even though some Palace fans are. But yeah, look, talking about our game in particular, there has been a lot of draws, hasn't there? It's been about three draws in our last three games since you guys got promoted. Two nil-nils, one all as well i remember that game um earlier on this season but you know how how i've viewed them games is basically two decent side teams just and also managers are very important just balancing each other out i feel like brentford's has brentford got a solid squad palace got a solid squad we both got um strengths in other areas that we might not have in our own teams for example you have tony which um of course better forward than all our forwards but then you know we might have certain players in different positions maybe that could also step up so i feel like it's been a fairly balanced um balanced games between us um it hasn't of course been the most exciting of games because of um the tactics just balancing each other out but but um but yeah, the the game earlier on the season, it was pretty much 1-0 Palace. It was a tight occasion. And then I remember Vieira changed up in the 75th minute. 
and and yeah it, it pretty much changed the whole game it changed the whole game it, it was a panic move by him he went very defensive and then you guys managed to score a goal like that but even in that game we didn't have much it was just a Zaha masterclass goal um, that pretty much separated um, both our teams so I think it will be a very tight game on this weekend as well but talking about some of your players that I'm worried about I feel like you've got very good players and these players are very good because of the manager Thomas Frank I'm a true believer in that um, the manager can make players better and worse he's getting the best out of these players of course Tony that's the biggest worry because of the goals that he can score and I think that's a massive difference between both our teams you got a very good goal scorer and we are lacking that uh, but Tony and, uh, and Bremo who's been very good so far this season you know um, causing causing problems to defences all season long you got Rico Henry and you know you got solid defence so there's there's a few players that as I mentioned there um, that I'm worried about and I feel like overall your squad is very balance from a neutral perspective anyways you've got solid attackers you've got solid you know midfielders and defenders as well so so yeah i i feel like um it'll be exciting to see well maybe not for us but exciting to see certain matchups um especially um the likes of Mbomo maybe against nathaniel klein that might be interesting because nathaniel klein had a very good game against matoma but but yeah we'll see but look in terms of how i see the game going um i feel like it could be another draw but saying that i could see a one nil to either brentford or palace as well um right now my heart is saying one nil palace but my head is saying one all um i could see it being a very tightly contested game i hope that wilf um zaha is back and yoki manis is back because um that will be massive plus um for for our team and if they are back i feel like you got strengths in areas uh we've got strengths and weaknesses as well so i feel like it'll be another balanced game but i'm expecting another draw i'll take a draw i'll take a draw because i respect brentford for what they've done so far this season they've been a very good side um and that's down to the players of course the manager and the whole infrastructure at the club that many teams are looking at so look, i respect brentford for what it is so i will t i'll happily take a job of course for you guys you want you're looking at a team that's been struggling you you i assume that you want to go and get the win so we'll see what happens but i'm going for one all but i wouldn't be surprised if there's a one nil palace as well because we do need a result and on our day i feel like we could still get a result against you guys despite how good you are and that's not me being disrespectful to brentford because i know how good you lot have been so far this season but look that's my thoughts ahead of the game hopefully you guys have enjoyed my perspective on the game if you have done um make sure to check out back of the nest crystal palace uh podcast youtube fan channel we've had um lewis also from b sorted brentford who's come on to give his perspective so if you guys want to check that out head over to our youtube channel but thank you for having me on and all the best for the rest of the season apart from saturday so there was d from back of the nest podcast and like i said to you looking forward to the game bit nervous but you know look enough of the seat as we, we know enough about this decision this well, i say this decision this season because we've been around here for long enough we've been here for a season and a half we kind of know you know as we talked about earlier there are teams that you know are kind of doomed and even teams if they have a bad one. I mean Palace are going to have to have a really properly stinky run I think to, to, to be any real problems um, this season and like I said yeah, they've got enough decent players in their side haven't they I mean we talked about what Eze you know Elise there's got some really good players that they've signed that we would have loved to have in our side haven't they Yeah I mean yeah I mean you can go through the side you know um, 
they just got all these sort of attacking players um, and Sahar obviously as well who seems to you know score does he score wonder goals against us it feels like he does but maybe just scores a lot of those goals so they seem like a lot of attacking threat but they may be a bit like Leicester though in terms of and Leicester you know and Leicester in, in terms of you know do they create um, like good opportunities or do they score good goals and it and maybe it is that they score good goals which is the point you were making um, just a minute ago and, and, and maybe that's what Palace are maybe the goals aren't going in and, and a bit like suddenly Leicester scored four didn't they at the weekend maybe Palace have got that game in them yeah per- perhaps they have but you know we, we have played we played them three times they've been three pretty pretty dull games mm. um, <clears throat> there's 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 something about them though as you, as you say you know and, and our run you know, it has to come to an end at some stage. It doesn't have to, but, you know, my fear is it, it could be against them on, on Saturday. But, you know, some, somehow, I, I just, I, we, 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 we'll, we, we're not, we're not going to be complacent going into this. We're going to, we're going to be set up to, to, you know, to, to, to take them properly on. Um, and I just, I, I just can't believe that, you know, we, we, you know, we didn't beat them last year. I, th- I thought, I thought that was one of those games where, you know, although it was a game that stopped the rot, wasn't it? But it was, um, yeah. I, I think, I think, hopefully, we'll be bouncing around at five o'clock again. Yeah, I mean, just talk. To, I mean, just just having a look, a look at their match. I mean, they played Brighton. Obviously, it's their big game. Um, it's the last game that they played as well. Um, at the end of the day, if, if you look at it, I never, I've never saw this on match of the day. I haven't seen the match at all, so I don't know what's happened. But just looking at this map, I'm not being funny. I mean, Brighton had one. Um, Palace had one big opportunity, which is their goal, which is Tompkins on 69 minutes, you know, 53%. So basically one in two of those goes in the back of the net. It literally was on the line. So that's what, that, that, that was, just a, was a given, you know what I'm saying? But other than that, tiny little dots, like, you know, four or five little chances, which were probably like, I don't know, 5% as 3% you know, in the area, just a few of those, so nothing. Whereas, I'm not be funny, Brighton, literally, I mean, I'm not be funny, in the area, 41%, you know, 45, 39%, 45%, 50, 55% McAllister, you know, 20, massive, massive, massive blue dots inside the area. Um, the score was one all in the end. According to this, I'm not being funny. It looks like it should have been about 5-1 or 5-1 five, five at least, you know, maybe 6-1 if they got one of the smaller chances, which they also did have, which they didn't put in the back of the net. So Brighton, the usual thing where they basically create lots and lots and lots of good um, opportunities, uh, high-quality opportunities, which just don't put them in the back of the net. It looks like they absolutely battered Palace and was, they got a one-all draw. Um, the chart I'm looking at, Brighton's XG was 2.74. Yeah. That's and right. To get a one, that's, that's normally like four or five goals, as you say. Yeah. 2.74 to 0.81, you know. <laughs> you know. And just looking at the two teams as well, if you kind of want, you know, want to match them up as well. You know, over the season, you know, um, Palace scored 20 goals for, they've uh, let in 30 goals, so they've got a minus 10 goal difference. Their XG4 is 23.83 over the season. So that kind of accumulates all the matches, you know, all the high quality chances that they've created. 23.83 over the season, the XG against is the chances against them is 38.18, okay? Compare that to Brentford, our XG4 is 37.82, so it's 23.83 to 37.82, and the XG against for us is 31.12, and that compares to theirs, 38.18. So basically, they're letting in more, or letting in chances to, to let in more goals and also, you know, creating less um, decent opportunities in front of goals. So I think it kind of sums up what we're talking about, this whole idea about Palace and creating less good quality 
chances. But then saying that, we mustn't rest on our, rest on our laurels because we've seen what happens in the two games that we played then before um, this, other than the nil all last year, they scored wicked goals because they can do that with their players, can't they? Yeah, exactly. And and I guess that's the, the main thing that at some point I'll, you'd imagine they'll they'll bang in three goals in a game. Um, hopefully it's not Saturday. It's another it's another really good test, isn't it, for us? You know, it's again it's a really good barometer to see how how far we progress because they're 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 one of the few teams that we've not we've not beaten in, mm. in the top flight. So it's a it's a it doesn't it may not feel like a scalp, but it probably is one. And it's a yeah. massive it's a massive opportunity to to really push ourselves into that top sort of seven. That's right, top seven. <laughs> you're really you're really clutching there, the Allies. Top seven, yeah, top six. How far are we off? How far are we off the Champions League? Seven, six or seven points. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It might be five. It's, it's, it's hardly. It's, it's a. It's a handful. It's a handful of points. Yeah. So okay. So listen. I mean, you know, they've got the you've got the Eze. They've got the Zaha. Zaha as well. Who's a Zaha? He's he's never happy when he plays us. I mean, I don't know if he's just never happy. Full stop. Like I said, at least they we've got a lot of respect for as well. You know, they've got some good players. Um, but you know, we've got good players in Ben, ben Me. We've got the Pinnock, who's going to try and keep things up tight. And then obviously up front, we're doing very well. Score prediction, Laney. It's seven points. Um, uh, score prediction, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Brentford win. Mm, okay. The odds? 3-2 Brentford. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, so goals, goals, goals. Goals, goals. Go- well, there hasn't been any goals. There hasn't been, we don't, there's not many goals when we play a minute. Does it normally end up 1-0? Yeah. Will there be goals at half-time? Goals at half time, yeah. yeah full time as well. There'll be goals at full time. Excellent, excellent. I'm going to go for a 2 0 mighty, mighty Brentford win, as they say. But anyway, listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thanks um, for listening. Hold, hold on, hold on, Bill. Hold, hold on, Bill. Um, who, who got last week's score prediction right? Ah, see, I was just <clears> trying to gloss <throat> past that one, mate. Yeah, yeah, okay, lady, you did very well. You got the score prediction of the one all at Arsenal. You got that Thank one you. correct, Thanks actually. Much. Cheers. Yeah, that's you. right, mate. You can just tip your hat to you, the lady here. So uh, we'll be listing out for the next week's one to see who, if you're, if you're going to be on a double bubble for that one, anyway. But as we say, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and all good podcast channels and write us a review and also buy us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer uh what else do you need to do because besides global is our little social media platform thing that we are chilling out on as well but other than that oh nothing else really to say saturday looking forward to palace coming down fingers crossed we can get our first victory against them since i think it's 1963 before we were all born or maybe you were born or i'm not sure i'm not sure there's some characters that are born around that time um but we'll first get our first victory fingers crossed against them but other than that like i said i'm billy grant i've got the lady in the house good afternoon you got the Allard in the place. Good afternoon. Go on, yes. <laughs> and like I said to you, I'm looking forward to Saturday. As we say, come, come on, on you bees. Bees. What is it you actually say in those bits, Bill? I don't know. I just make it up. You know, okay. I'm like an MC, like, you know, just off the top of my head. It's like freestyle. Like the rebel MC. Let's get them eagles.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.